from the Theology of the Body Institute, this is the Ask Christopher West Podcast. Hi, podcast listeners. Welcome, everybody, to another episode. We're happy to be with you today. Thanks for being with us. Yeah, here I am. I have to put on my reading glasses because it's a little struggle to read these questions without them. Wendy is new to reading glasses. I am. And I have to just say to the whole world, not that the whole world's listening, <laughs> but to all of our podcast listeners, I think you look pretty sexy with your reading glasses. <laughs> I do. I kind of like it. Not, right. I mean, even more than just kind of. I really like it. Oh, but it's such a hard adjustment. Here we are in our 50s with our reading glasses. You've had them for several more years. Yes. Uh, and it's, My eyes failed before yours did. Yeah. It's just... It's such a tricky thing where you start holding, like, you know, medicine bottles, like, at arm's length, and you still can't read, and yeah. you're leaning your head back and going, what? what's wrong with my eyes? It's just so Yeah, menus at restaurants. Yeah. <laughs> That's the... Well, I, I solved it by putting these little... Uh, what are those things? Those little... Like little tiny nose clip... Nose clip glasses, glasses, right? I put them in my wallet so that I have them whenever I need them. Yeah, that has been very helpful. Yeah. <laughs> any readers, out, I'm, any readers, any listeners out there that can relate to our reading glasses struggle? Yeah, we're we're in this together. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> so, do you have any updates for us on the TUB Institute I right do. now? Okay. I do. I want to share something that I don't think I've ever shared before okay. about something going on at the institute. All right, go for it. We have. A parish program where all the benefits that we offer our patrons, plus uh, a few more specific to parish life, are available in a parish-based program called Awaken. And I'm on the website right now, and I'm just going to read a couple things about the benefits to parish. I, and think, I think you should put on your reading glasses so you can see that a little better because you're probably struggling. point, Wendy. I was wondering why I couldn't read it. And honestly, I didn't have my reading glasses on. What do you know about? Look at that. (laughs) I can actually read it now. All right. right. So (laughs) we have, I'm just looking at the website here, a vast library of videos and audio. We have uh, online study programs for trainings and classes that go on at the parish level. Uh, you get access to live events and discounts on our courses for parish staff. And, of course, the monthly contribution that you make for being part of the Awakened program at the parish level goes to support our ministry here at the TOB Institute. So, as I said, it's like our patron community for individuals, but it's in a package deal for the parish where you get a licensing right at the parish level to share these videos and all the other content with the the, the whole parish community. Yeah, so, so anybody in parish ministry yep. could be should be looking into that. Absolutely. For the, for your if you are involved in parish ministry, please click the link in the show notes to learn more about how to awaken your parish mm. to the glories of being man and woman created in the image and likeness of God. Yes. Awesome. There we go. Are you ready for a question from a patron? I am, as I take my glasses off. Okay, I got mine on. This is from a patron named Mike. Hi, Mike. Hi, Wendy and Christopher. 
thank you for always answering the questions you receive with compassion rather than condemnation. I feel rather awkward about my question, but I would love to know your thoughts. I've been friends with a young lady for nearly three years and appreciated her for her inner beauty, but thought of her simply as a friend until she recently started wearing makeup. I feel so shallow for only becoming smitten with her (laughs) after she started painting her face. It seems to me that she deserves better, and I hesitate to pursue her because I'm only captivated by her when she's covered in cosmetics. What's wrong with me? Where do I go from here? Mike, bless you, brother. Gosh, it's so honest. Just putting it out there. Uh, you know what, brother? The first thing I want to say to you before anything about what might be wrong, I want to affirm what is right. Mm. And now here I'm going to draw from JP2 in his book, Love and Responsibility. He says, the accentuation, accentuation, to accent sexual values is part of awakening attraction to the person, right? We don't have to think right out of the gate something is wrong. Now, I'll get to what I think might be off because there's something off in all of us because we're all (laughs) fallen. I'll get to that in a minute. But I I just want to affirm, don't think something is totally wrong here. What is the purpose of makeup. It's to accent beauty, not to create a beauty that didn't exist, but to accent it, to make it uh, more, more readily apparent. You are not recognizing something that was never there, brother. You, she has accented what has always been there, and now you're seeing it more clearly. So I want to bless that, and I want to affirm that, right? That's my starting point. Secondarily, I don't think you are entirely misguided to ask the question, is something wrong with me here? Um, Every husband is going to see his wife in all kinds of states of dress and undress and having done herself up and having not done herself up and in a fancy dress on a fancy occasion and in... Wendy, you love to wear these old sweatshirts from your college years that are frayed around the collar and and that's part I, I mean, that's, that's that's part of wendiness and i love wendiness i love wendy i love wendiness thank you this morning you had an amazing hairdo when you got out of bed and not because it was done up real nice but it was just like flying all over the place and i was like wow that's that's something special but it was wendiness. It was wendiness. And I love wendiness. I Thank love you. you when you're done up and we're going to a special event and your lipstick is bright and your eyeliner is attracting me and your hair's done up specially and you smell really special. I love that. I also love you when you wake up in the morning and you have morning breath and your hair's doing that funky monkey that it was doing this morning. <laughs> I love Wendy. I love you, Wendy. I love all Wendiness because it's Wendy. So, brother, 
if if you can't imagine, if you can only imagine loving her when she has makeup on, now that's a problem. But the fact that the accentuation of her beauty has attracted you is not a problem. Uh, let that accentuation of her beauty lead you into the deeper, more substantial richness of her person, which you've already acknowledged, you've, you've already been attracted to. Uh, I think you got all the raw material, raw material here, brother, to build a beautiful love. And that, again, is just language from JP2 and his book, Love and Responsibility. You have all the raw material that can be built into a beautiful love. That's going to take some work. It always does, but you got it. Mm. Keep going. That's my impression. What's your thought, Lynn? Yeah, I, it's it's a, a an interesting question, as you said right away when you heard it, um, and I thought so when I read it. Um, but I kind of I can have some images in my mind, sort of sort of a, a humorous scene in a movie where you know some kind of teenage boy doing a, a double take yep, seeing, yep, yep. you know, kind of what the kids call a glow up or, you know, when there's a Brady Bunch episode that is exactly that. I'm really? seeing it right in my head. <laughs> and anybody who was raised on Brady Bunch like I was, you probably know the episode too. When Jan came out, I forget the guy's name, but she had been done up and and he, he, he took a second oh, look. Oh, yes, he did. <laughs> so anyway, I mean, and that is why that just comes to my mind. It's not in a way that I feel critical of Mike. It's like it's heartwarming in the very way you're saying to to think um, just that that this young, I don't know the age of Mike, but this man is is recognizing something he didn't see before. Mm-hmm. Um and and that that just kind of tickles us inside and makes us sort of happy in a way that doesn't even necessarily make sense. But yeah. somehow we know that there's something good and hopeful about yeah, it. And yeah. I just feel that, uh, you know, that regardless of what the Lord intends for this particular relationship, it is good to know that, um, especially what you said from love and responsibility and just the... Uh, the raw material of love and all your de- declarations of loving my Wendiness were pretty cute too. Thank you. <laughs> it's the truth. Are you ready for the next question? Yes, let's do it. Okay. Bless you, brother Mike. Keep going. Yeah. Be not afraid of what's stirring in your heart. This is from a listener named Alphonsus. Hello, Alphonsus. This is a short, very direct question. Let's I'm do just it. You know, as a physician. Is prescribed. That was a good one, Wendy. Oh, I liked it. No, I'm going to start over. Don't. don't <laughs> that, that's like cod pasting. Oh, stop. <laughs> As a physician, is prescribing contraception a mortal sin? Objectively, yes. If you are prescribing it for the purpose of contraception, in other words, with the intent to render your patient sterile. Right? The, the pill that also renders women sterile can also be prescribed for other purposes. Although, let me say, the literature that I have read, there's almost always a successful alternative that can treat the same problem and not render a person sterile. Uh, but if a doctor is prescribing the pill with the intent to render a patient sterile, 
then he is he is cooperating in an objectively serious and grave sin. Subjectively, he may not be culpable of it for lack of knowledge, lack of understanding the, the seriousness of the matter, but we can't just pretend that uh, the catechism makes this clear. Ignorance can in some circumstances lessen our culpability. But there's also a thing called culpable ignorance where we don't want to know the truth and we don't want to be challenged to, to know the truth or we don't want to be challenged by the truth. And when we claim ignorance in these cases, it doesn't decrease our culpability but increases our culpability. Brother, if you are a doctor, uh, I would just invite you to, to Google Catholic doctors uh, or the Catholic Medical Association or Catholic doctors who don't prescribe contraception. There used to be an organization, One More Soul, that had a directory of Catholic physicians around the, the country, in the United States anyway, that didn't prescribe contraception. I'm sure there are still networks out there. Google that. If, if my producer can find a good link to get you to check the show notes, uh, hopefully we'll have something there. But please, please find other doctors who've been through what you've been through, who have made that transition into a fully Catholic practice. Obviously, there are sacrifices to be made, but there are rewards that are literally out of this world. Mm. Yeah, I want to just say a couple things about that because I've been so blessed. We have been so blessed by both the care and just friendship with some doctors who really have taken this to heart to truly seek the good of their patients. And it is an overwhelming thought at times to consider all the change it would entail, all the um, that would be asked of one to really uphold the dignity of their patients. And yet, why be a doctor if you're not going to yes. uphold the dignity yes. of your patients and promote their true health, even if that is very difficult to do? It's what we truly want to do as physicians and healthcare providers, and I, I say that because I used to be a nurse, um, some of the, the beautiful, real um, healing opportunities that are before you and are missed when you're writing a prescription for contraception or inserting or applying some kind of contraception, you're missing something amazing, which is the opportunity to call people to live according to the dignity in which they're made. So um, please don't hesitate. Something that has really blessed us and many people we know is um, the Paul VI Institute, which is named after Saint Pope Paul VI, who um, wrote the encyclical Humanae Vitae on human life. Um, so the, this is a, an institute in the United States where doctors are, are trained in really cutting-edge technology and hormonal therapies that are in keeping with improving the health and the healthy functioning of bodies rather than just trying to eliminate 
confusion that might come from cycle irregularities to find out what it's coming from and to really address it. Also, incredible help with infertility in ways that are absolutely honoring of the marital embrace rather than replacing replacing it. So these are huge things to know about the positive that you are choosing when you choose to follow what the church teaches. And I'll add this just because I think it's it's enlightening. We are so deep into the contraceptive culture, we can hardly even imagine this. But when the pill debuted in the early 1960s, many doctors around the world, and these were not just Catholic doctors who had a, a, a Catholic sense of things. They were just doctors with a good conscience who recognized that to prescribe the pill as a contraceptive was a violation of the Hippocratic Oath, and they refused to do it. The first tenet of the Hippocratic Oath is cause no harm. And for the first time in medical history, a pill was being prescribed to render a healthy functioning aspect of the human body unable to function. Right? The purpose of health care is to care for the organism to do what it was created by God to do. Uh, But for the very first time in medical history, a pill was being swallowed to harm, to render a perfectly functioning aspect of one's body unable to function. It would be like taking a pill to blind someone. No doctor in his right mind would give a pill to someone to blind him. The purpose of medicine is to give sight to the blind, not to take sight away. The purpose of medicine and technology is to enable the the organism, the human organism, to function as it is meant to function, not to malfunction or dysfunction. So, yeah, I just think that's that's very enlightening. Man, we, we have sunken so deep into this contraceptive mentality. And Paul VI, whom you mentioned, Wendy, he said in Humani Vitae, um, with contraceptive technology like the pill, we will eventually think that we can control our bodies in any way we see fit. We'll think we'll have unlimited control over our bodies. That's the world we live in now. And it was brought on by this acceptance of a technology that for the first time in history worked against the health of the organism. Mm. Our next question is from a listener named Elizabeth. Hello, Elizabeth. Hi, Christopher and Wendy. I'm so grateful for your podcast and all the work you do to spread the message of TOB. I'm praying that the Lord gives you every grace necessary to continue your beautiful mission. Thank you. We need it. We will take it. We Yes, we'll take all the grace we can get, please. Yes. Thank you. My question is this. My husband and I recently welcomed our seventh child into the world. While we are both feeling blessed, he and I have different feelings about continuing to grow our family. He feels saturated and thinks we should seriously practice NFP for the remainder of our fertile years. We are 35. I want to remain open to all of the life God wants to give us. I think it scares him to not have a number, and and he worries about us just having too many children to care for their emotional and spiritual needs, especially as the ones we have reach their teenage years. How do we reconcile these differences? We have prayed that our hearts be united in our desires and have used Ignatian contemplation living as though we are not going to have any more children, for a week, followed by the opposite, 
somehow we still do not have clarity. What thoughts do you have for us? Bless you, dear Elizabeth. I I hope that between the two of us, Wendy, you and I might be able to give a little guidance, but really in the end, this is this is a question of their own personal discernment that we can't get in there and know all the workings of. But again, I, I hope we can shine a, a little bit of light or maybe give you a, a, a certain direction to go in. First, I, I just want to clarify something in the way that she worded the question. She said her husband believes um, they may have reached the the number of children that they're meant to have, whereas she then put this kind of in juxtaposition, whereas, what did she say, I want to remain... I want to remain open to all of the life God wants to give us. Okay, so I what I want to say here, which I think is important, if you were to practice NFP for the rest of your marriage, you would be remaining open, right? I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put your position. I want to remain open in juxtaposition to your husband, who's saying maybe we've reached the number of children we're meant to have. Every single marital act is only a marital act if it is open to life. What does that mean to be open to life? It means you are placing your fertility in God's hands every time you come together as husband and wife. This was a practice that Wendy and I adopted very early on in our marriage. It was to pray, and and oftentimes vocally, but if not vocally, we know this is the intention of our hearts every time we come together. And I would say maybe even 80% of the time it would be vocalized where we would pray in our marital union, Lord, if it is your will, if it is your will, let there be life. Lord, if it is your will, let there be life. If you cannot honestly pray that prayer, you shouldn't be engaging in the marital act. Lord, if it is your, you may be 99.9999999% sure that it is not God's will. In fact, Wendy and I, we're past childbearing years. We are 99.9999999999% sure that it is not God's will for us to have another child. Nonetheless, Lord, if it is your will, let there be life. That's what is required of every marital act. And, and your husband can come to the marriage bed sincerely and say, I am open. And you can come to the marriage bed sincerely and say, I am open. So don't think because you may have discerned, and I don't know if this is right or not, this is between you and your husband and the Lord. But let's suppose the, the discernment here is that number seven is, is your last. You can come to every marital embrace over the next however many years you remain fertile, and for the rest of your life, as, as I've already demonstrated, we're past our fertile years, um, but you can still come and should still come to every marriage act and say, Lord, if it is your will, let there be life. That is openness to life in the Catholic sense of the term. It does not require a positive desire that a child result. It only requires that you are aware that this is the act that can bring children into being, and you're placing that in God's hands, and you are trusting God's will as the sovereign Lord and giver of life. Okay, that said, um, before I change the the topic here, Wendy, did you want to add anything about that or say anything in in light of what I just said there? I, I know, Christopher, that a lot of people use that expression, I'm open to life, and they 
are using it to refer to times when they're maybe neither actively seeking pregnancy nor feeling that they need to avoid pregnancy. Just a sense of, I, I don't need to lean strongly one way or the other. I'm just open. And so that, that phrase can mean that. And I think that's probably the way Elizabeth may have mentioned it, but I, I think it's valid to point out that there's not a lack of openness yes, that's the, in that's, applying natural family planning through abstinence. Right. That's not a lack of op- openness. So. Right. And that, yeah, that's the, that's the essential point I was wanting to make. I, I know that that phrase can be used in that other way, but I, I want to I caution people not to limit the meaning of openness to that, because then one would then conclude if you're practicing natural family planning, you're not open. Um, yeah. That, that would be wrong, right? Yeah. Uh, again, openness means in every marital act, whatever time of the month it might be, you are saying at least implicitly, Lord, if it is your will, let there be life. And what a gift that is in terms of trusting in the Lord's will for us, both if we are feeling a strong need to avoid a pregnancy, we still know he's God. Right. And so we trust him. And even though we're, not even though, as we are acting in accordance with our discernment to time our union to avoid a pregnancy, we continue to trust him, in fact, all the more. But it's also really a beautiful prayer when we're hoping for a pregnancy. Yes. Because if it doesn't occur... There, there has already been a surrender to say, Lord, we want your will. Yes, if it is your will. And we've experienced that on both sides. We have, yeah. And it has been it, – it, I can honestly say I don't know an experience in human life where I am more aware that there is a God and I'm not that God than in these questions about fertility. Lord, if it is your will, it's just, it's a surrender to God as the Lord and giver of life. That's what is required of us. Mm-hmm. And, and I think if, if you enter into that conversation as husband and wife, knowing that you, you both want that kind of openness, that kind of trust in the Lord, I think you will find more of a common ground for, um, a, a a more specific or particular discernment than if you're going in thinking, well, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to remain open, but my husband isn't. That, that kind of pits you against one another in a certain way of conceiving of it, pun intended. Mm. Um, whereas recognizing both of you desire the very same thing, which is to remain open to God's will, that puts you on the same page going into the conversation. Mm-hmm. And and that I think is important. I can I can just tell from the flavor of this question and and where it's coming from. And they have seven children already. This is a couple that is really seeking to live out their their Catholic faith. So I, I would say, as you continue continue to discern, and I'm going to lean into JP two here, who says the couple and only the couple before God can make the decision as to the right number of children they are called to have. I can't make that for you. Wendy can't make that for you. Your parish priest can't make that for you. Um, You can seek people you trust to get their counsel or their light, and that's what we're trying to offer. But in the end, you and your husband must be naked before God in seeking his will 
for your marriage. Um, yeah. Do you want to add anything to that, Wendy? Yeah, I actually do. <laughs> Sometimes you ask me if I do, and I, I don't. But right now I do. Good. <laughs> I like that. Um, and I know our listeners do, too. <laughs> One of the things that's just coming out to me as I'm looking over the question and praying for this couple is that um, sometimes we can focus in on a question and longing to have it resolved. And and really the Lord wants to shine light on other things in our relationship. And I feel that as I just read the description of some of the concerns that the husband has and some of the the more feelings or thoughts that the wife has, that they are different. And every married couple is made up of two different people. And I think at this stage in your marriage, it could be a very fruitful thing to reflect on your different experiences of the past years of of the coming of each of these children and of parenthood and changes in your relationship and in your family, seeing how each of your different gifts that you bring to this beautiful project of being husband and wife and father and mother, how how your differences have worked together over those years to have a deeper appreciation of one another. Because I think if you're trying to answer this question without that, without him knowing you appreciate his sense of responsibility, his looking forward with that sort of um, concern about new challenges ahead and wanting to be prepared for them, if if he doesn't know you appreciate that about him, he he won't be able to hear your side of it. And if you don't know that he appreciates your sort of joyful adaptability that you're bringing into this, you know, adventure of life together, if you don't know that he appreciates that, then, you know, you will want to kind of grasp onto your position a little too firmly. And I think that that knowledge of one another and knowing that we can reflect together on our experience so far and and see how we've you know just lived our sacrament in grace and how you know what have been episodes or aspects of it that have been particularly challenging to one or the other to know one another deeper is probably going to lead eventually to clarity and unity in a way that just asking this specific question, I don't think it, it's, it hasn't gotten you there. And that's why I'm sharing this thought with you. All right. It's official. What? We're changing the name of the podcast. No. To the four W's, quadruple W, wise words from Wendy West. <laughs> it has to happen. <laughs> no, we can't. Well... I just want all my listeners are well, look at that my listeners no 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 I want our listeners to know that the Ask Christopher West show really in my heart is the wise words from Wendy West show so there you have it folks those were wise words from Wendy West thanks my love thank you and and thank you to this um, questioner Elizabeth thank mm-hmm. you for her just putting it out there I mean yeah. these are these are real marital struggles that mm-hmm. yeah it's and we do need counsel from others and i hope we we're able to at least give you a little counsel there elizabeth and shine a light 
I think there was a bright light there from the quadruple W, wise words from Wendy West. If you found Wendy West's words wise today (laughs) (laughs) and you want to share them with anybody else that needs some Wendy West wise words, then please hit that share button. And Wendy West, with your wise words, I'm going to have you take us out today. Yes, just thanking you, Lord, that you've made us so beautifully in your image. Help us to know that we are a gift and to become what we are. I didn't say, wait, I, you said it all. What am I supposed to say? <laughs> you Change the me. name of the show and now you say everything. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Bless you, everybody. See you next week. Ask Christopher West is brought to you by the Theology of the Body Institute with music by Mike Mangione. Christopher and Wendy hope that the information provided is helpful to you, but remind you that they are not licensed counselors. If you're going through serious difficulty, a list of trusted counselors and psychologists can be found in the show notes. 